Hey church, welcome back to the midweek. We got a special episode for you this week. We have not forgotten our promise to uh, record one on Christian nationalism, but before we release that episode, we felt, or at least Pastor Daniel felt compelled Mm -hmm. to share his story and how God changed his life and how it's going to, and how there are many um, relevant connections for all of us. And so we're, we're excited here to just re- Visit God's grace in Daniel's life and just rejoice over it and hope that you are encouraged and inspired and challenged as well. And so I'm here with Pastor Ross and Daniel. And Daniel, to start off, can you just share a little bit of your heart behind this unusual kind of um, podcast uh, subject matter? Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for for letting me do this. I'm super eager to share. So I was driving the other day after uh, having preached a sermon entitled... Um, what's keeping you from following Jesus? Mm-hmm. And uh, as I, I preached, I, I posed the question, you know, along the way, what are the stumbling blocks to your following Jesus? And and I remembered uh, after after preaching, my mom and I were, my, my parents were in town and we were praying together and she was praising God for the uh, this, this experience in my life that I'm going to share today um, where I... I laid down something that was a major stumbling block and, and, and that was the band for me. I'll share a lot more about that. But that um, when she was praying, I was like, man, Lord, I could probably talk about a dozen stumbling blocks, like major areas that were idols in my life, you know, and, and right even, you know, it was so it was so it was like a decade ago that a lot some of these events happened. And I'm going to share, and I was, I was just recounting, like, Lord, you've been so good to me to help me. This was a major one that I'm going to share, but, but um, yeah, there's so many for us, and I, and I believe that sometimes sharing our story um, can can speak to something in our lives that that uh, you know the areas that that we're making idols of of something in our life, you know? mm-hmm. and so that's that's my hope today that that God would. Um, God would encourage you and uh, maybe convict you if there are areas that that are are stumbling blocks that are idols um, in place of the Lord. So that's that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Also, I think that we've we cover a lot of really heavy hard topics, <laughs> and I thought yeah. and maybe it would be a, a healthy, sweet thing to to share something a little lighter yeah. in nature. Yeah, we're, we're not going to talk about. Culture and politics. Yeah. <laughs> We're not. That's well, not the major <laughs> piece here. When you say um, stumbling block, before we jump in, yeah. what would because that's not a typical word that we use in our culture. Yeah. Using the church, how how are you thinking about stumbling block? Yeah, something that is hindering me from uh, from really following Jesus, and and more than following him, but like actually enjoying him mm-hmm. and gladly placing him at the center yeah. of my life. And that's a complex thing, uh, which I want to, I want to get into that a little bit more, but that's, that's kind of what I mean. Great. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, awesome. Well, Sounds great. Ross and I are sitting back and <laughs> excited to just receive and rejoice with you. So share, why don't you get into the heart of, of the story that you want to get into? Yeah. So, um, each of us dream of what we'll do with our lives. Right. And, sometimes that's that's early in life sometimes that's maybe you're a dreamer and you're just always you know you got things that you're pressing after but we spend our time our money preparing for that thing we tell our friends and family about those dreams and it often consumes our thoughts 
Um, I'm just I'm curious to you know think about what what that dream is for you now, or what maybe some some of those dreams have been for you in the past. What what are your biggest life ambitions, or what have they been? Maybe it's career. Uh, maybe it's um, more goal based. It's it's you know dreaming of marriage with dream man woman. Maybe it's the the five kids and the big house, or or maybe it's traveling the world, or or even some more. Um, you know, spiritual or, or, you know, ambition, like helping the poor in some great way. But what, what is that dream that everything in your life is kind of moving you toward mm-hmm. and, and, and all your ambition drives your, you know, your energy is driving towards that. Another way to ask you, you could say, what are, what are you willing to give up everything for? Like what, what would you lay anything down for right now to, to go after? So I just want to say, uh, dreams, these, these sort of ambitions, I think are from the Lord. I think God has put in us, um, a desire to pursue things with our whole hearts to like really give our energy. Hmm. And we, we were created, we were created to, to rule. We were created to rule the earth, to, uh, even have dominion over all things in it. And even to create like God created, uh, you know, the image bearing, qualities we have means that we take what he's given and we, we use this stuff and, um, and we use it to bring God glory through, through what we do. We, we use it not just to bring him glory, but, but even for us to enjoy, like we, we are made to do, to work Mm -hmm. and to give our energy and might to it. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yet, uh, because of our sin nature, these are simple truths here. Our sin nature is the the core problem with with all of us, with every human. Um, At the core of our lives, those dreams, those ambitions are often, our work is often not centered in worshiping the Creator and bringing glory back to Him, which, you know, everything is meant to point back to Him. But by nature, we turn the things that he made for his glory and our, and our joy into things for our glory. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, we, it's not about happiness in him and what he's made, but it's like it's, there's a turn. There's a, there's, a, there's a new center. And we make stuff other than God our God. And that includes dreams. It includes ambitions. And that's what the Bible describes as an idol <laughs> and the idol is not an idol is not just a, a, uh, thing that you set up in your, in your house and bow down before, but, but, uh, something that, um, the Bible describes as, uh, it has your attention, it has your worship, it has your time, your energy, hmm. your, your momentum. Um, and that was true of me that I had an idol, a major idol, and it started back in the beginning of my my childhood. And and I was brought up in a Christian home, so I kind of understood some of these concepts that I've been talking about. I knew God. I knew He was the center of all things. Yet I found myself worshiping the very things that God had so graciously given to me. Like, mm. uh, you know, I... I, I yeah, I'll get into a couple of those things in just a second. But as as I share my story, I just want to remind you what to be thinking about. Think think about what 
<laughs> that is for you, what you value most. And I want us to just be asking that question, is God at the center of that thing or, or have we made that, that dream God? So yeah, I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home. It's amazing. Parents love the Lord, um, super involved in ministry. They had their own struggles and some of which super, they really affected me. Um, but they pointed me to Christ. They pointed me to Christ faithfully. And around eight, the age of eight, I confessed Jesus, was baptized, and parents say there was some change. I remember, you know, my own my own desire for the Lord was growing. I wanted to follow Him. I wanted, um, I wanted to devote my life to Him. Uh, this God that my parents lifted up all my life, and I saw so many people devoting so much energy and time to it, looked good to me, and I wanted it, you know. Um, so I considered him worthy of that devotion. I wanted to give God that devotion. But I also remember from a young age craving attention from others. <laughs> like really, really craving attention. Wanting people to think I was something special. I've heard some people struggle with that. What is that, what is that like, Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have not heard of anyone else. Yeah. But actually. But yeah. No, I... Uh, I wanted to be something special, and that looked like being kind of the goofball in, in middle school, like the class clown. But I, I was never. I never the, did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was never the one who was like getting in too much trouble, though, because I cared too much about what the teachers thought. Mm. You know, so I had a way of you know, keeping myself on the good side of the teachers, and yet keeping my classmates thinking I was pretty cool and a little bit bad. You know, like I really craved attention from every party. I wanted everyone to think highly of me and I got attention. I did. I got attention. And another thing I remember as, as a young man was I had a love for music, a deep love for music. And it was something that, you know, again, this is what I was talking about when I said the things that God gave us, right. That I began to turn for, you know, for my own worship. And music was one of those. And I always, <clears throat> in church even, my, my favorite part was singing. I always, I felt like when we sang, I, my heart was turned towards the Lord in a unique way, more than the preaching, more than anything else. I felt moved by the singing. So I started playing, you know, the trumpet and I sang with my family and played the good old recorder. Did you, did you guys ever oh, play yeah. the recorder? Yeah, I do. Were you good at it, Ross? No, not <laughs> Not like you. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I was any good at it, but uh, yeah, I started playing guitar in high school, mm. and uh, that was that was much to my dad's dismay. Um, I, <laughs> my dad thought that I would start a rock band. If we, it's a very conservative home and, and church background, and my dad was really concerned that it'd be a rock band, and I think my mom said something like dear you have nothing to worry about it won't last you know <laughs> but but it actually began uh to really be the center of my life for a lot of years after that i started a rock band soon after that and <laughs> sorry and, dad uh, yeah i know and and it and in, in fact all of my brothers were in rock bands one of one of uh two, i guess two of them were in heavy metal band so you know it was it, it, my parents still laugh about it it's it's comical but um yeah, fast forward to high school. Those, I'll just keep those two loves in mind. But fast forward to high school, I struggled to know how to live out my faith. I was trying to be a Christian. Um, I, I started attending a public school, 
sophomore year. And I just felt out of place. I didn't know how to fit in. I wanted to be the popular guy I was in middle school at my Christian school. I wanted, <laughs> you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to somehow keep people liking me, but I also wanted people to know who I was as a Christian. I, I did have this tension there. Um, I, would, I would notice the soul ache in, in my friends who didn't know Jesus. I, I noticed things like that. I, I wanted to help them, but I found myself stumbling in the same sins of pride, the same sexual sins, the same insecurity that I saw in so so many of them. Just a little less severe, a little more uh, hidden than them. And this, this was my attempt to be, you know, good enough to be I had a bad view of Christianity. I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. In a minute. But these years were hard for me. It was like pornography became a big deal. Sexual sin. These things stunted my growth. Like really stunted my growth. Just as sin does. Yep. Um, I, I, I've said a couple things about stumbling blocks. And I'll just, I'll just say here that when we are given to sins like those, um, God, uh, he wants to set us free, uh, because freedom from sin means we get more of Jesus. Like we, mm. when we're free of those things, we, well, I want I don't, I don't want to say like free of sin. Ultimately, we won't be free of sin ultimately until we see Jesus face to face. But, but in that time of my life, I, I know that the sins of pornography, sexual sin, they just seriously stunted me from being what I wanted to be and growing in the way that I wanted to grow. Yeah. And, and that was just so clear and obvious to me. So, were, you, were you fighting it? Like, yeah. Was there like two lives that you had? Yes. Okay. I hated it, didn't want to do it, uh, but found myself yeah, going back to it again and again, mm-hmm. secretively. And finding, you know, I would repent at night just pleading with God for forgiveness, scared of hell, Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm such a hypocrite. I I don't know what to do. And so, uh, you know, as any like besetting or habitual sin, it feels like the biggest thing you're like, you know, I I had thoughts like if only I could get rid of this, Mm -hmm. I would be perfect. (laughs) Like, again, that's the, that's the stunting of growth. That's Mm -hmm. the stunting of growth that I'm talking about where you, you can't see all kinds of other areas that the Lord wants to grow right. you because you're that's so right. just, that's all that matters. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yep. all that's there. So around my junior year, I started a band with my friends, uh, just like I dreamed of since Called attending what? my first concert. And the, the band name was Against the Nations. No. Oh, you know, Christ <laughs> Against the Nations as the Bible. You know, like, no, no, it's... It was, uh, we took something out of context in like, I think it was Zachariah or something like that. And, and we, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, it was like God's anger towards the nations that opposed Israel. And so we, we named our band against the nations, right? Wow. Man. Which is so interesting. Cause like your life is given for the nations. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's I know. so interesting. It's ironic. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. I think my parents expressed a, yeah. a real hatred for that name, yeah, but, but they were very uh, gentle. Uh, cutting very, it. You guys are edgy. Yeah. Christian edgy. <laughs> we tried to be. We tried to be. Though, though our, there, we have this little acronym for against the nations. It was uh-huh. A-T-N. Uh-huh. And under the T, it was a little T, and we had like a little hill, so it looked like a cross on a hill. Uh, that was... 
Yeah, we were pretty cool. <laughs> if you can picture that, it's as cheesy as it sounds, I, I promise you. It's fantastic. So... It's 2000, maybe three, 2000. Yeah, junior year, 2003 or, or 2004. Yeah, yeah, 2004. Yeah. Um, everything I did in the following years was revol- revolved around that band, really. I mean, I... Um, yeah, while it was my genuine dream to preach the gospel to my friends and even through this band, um, I found that my image and the image of the band won the day, you know, and, and that became really clear. We were practicing so hard. Like we were like, we're going to make it. We were going three times a week practicing, you know, my parents' basement, man, they were so gracious and kind, like, cause we were really bad in the beginning, you know? <laughs> But I'd spend hours on MySpace. Remember MySpace? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I would promote our music. I would write music. I was just constantly listening to music. Like, just getting in. Everything was devoted. Mm. Devoted to pursuing music. So much so that I failed the Spanish class my junior year. Oh, no. Because I had this thinking that, like, what good is Spanish mm-hmm. for a successful career in music? Yeah, like, yeah. I seriously think I told my Spanish teacher, he'd bring yeah. he'd bring the test to me, and I'd be like, no, 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 I don't <laughs> care, I'm not going to take the test. Whoa. And he'd be like, Daniel, what are you doing? And I said something like, you know, I'm I'm in the battle of the bands right now. <laughs> my school, like, we won the battle of the bands. Like, oh, you I, did? I thought, yeah, we won a couple of battle of the bands. I there thought we go. were a big deal, and so I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And ironically, I would go to I would go to Nicaragua a couple times, spend some. You know, we live around a lot of Spanish speaking people now, and and I'm, I I say all the time, like, man, I wish I I like worked at that, you know. Mm-hmm. But there, mm-hmm. that's what's in your teacher. If he was clever, he or she. He, he yeah. would have said Rick every Rick. successful band has a Spanish album because <laughs> it's a huge market, you a know, Christmas Spanish album or something. Right? He could have, he could have, he could have spun it. He could have done it. He could have done it. <laughs> but yeah, I think what that shows is that it was becoming an idol for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that I was obsessed with it, and it kind of affected every other every other area in my life. It was becoming an idol. I worshipped the band. I worshipped my image. I had I had hoped again to use this as a vehicle for for God in some way, but instead I made it mm-hmm. I made it God, and uh, mm-hmm. and it showed in my emotions. Uh, I would react very strongly if someone didn't like mm-hmm. my music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's seriously, I soaked up the praise of men, and I oh I sulked when when I didn't get what I thought I deserved. Mm-hmm. It, it, I was consumed by people's attention around the music and Mm. it's important to note here that um when the center uh, of your life is is off when it's not god but something else it leads to a lot of other sin Mm. i mean you can see in in the spanish class like there was a slothfulness Mm. you know my relationship with my family suffered with friends um school grades i fell into deeper sexual sin like it, it just led to to more and more pornography use. I was less concerned about sharing the message of Christ and far more interested in promoting a show. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I was just way more excited about this thing than I was God. And yet God is faithful. And he was pursuing me during this time. He was pulling on my heart. Uh, I knew something was wrong when it seemed like the more I got what I wanted, the more chained I felt. 
I received more success, more and more, you know, winning these different battle of the bands, getting more and more fans, and it only left me hungering for more. Hmm. I only wanted more. That's right. And yet, how God was tugging on me, I remember I went to this Chris Tomlin concert in mm. Cincinnati, and, uh, nice. and I remember there's this moment where he invited people to just, uh, he was playing some instrumental, and he invited people to just sit and, and think and, and pray um, by yourself. And I, I was really wrestling with what was happening. Like, I was wrestling with, man, my, my heart is not centered around God. I can feel it. Mm. I see it. And it's, I think the Lord gave me a couple visions in that mm. in that concert. One, the Lord gave me this picture of the glory of Christ kind of resting down over fans. Mm. It was like it was like a projector was projecting the image of Jesus on top of this this group of people that I was that I, you know I was on the stage in front of. And I believe he was calling me in that to like recenter my mm. focus. Like, what is the purpose of, mm. of having a platform? It's not about you, Daniel. It's about the glory of Christ. It's about this thing that started your, you know, a drive. He also showed me, I think in a different vision, I don't remember that one as much, but he showed me I was idolizing the band. And I actually came away from that meeting convinced that I had to quit the band. Mm. <laughs> I went to my band and was like guys i think i have to stop like i'm not i I cannot let this be everything to me Mm. god has to be more more essential and i my drummer at the time he he said something like but daniel we've we've already come so far Mm. (laughs) like we're high school students and you know i was i think i literally was convinced i mean it didn't take much i was like you're right we have come really far we are really a big deal with this little pub you know this little local following Mm -hmm. it it didn't take much at all and i was quickly you know moving on but before that point did anyone challenge you in like your heart the purity of your heart or calling this an idol parents i think my parents i think my parents did some um you know, when you're successful in something, when you start to, when you're doing something and people like it, um, sometimes that gets convoluted, you know, even for my parents along the way, um, there were times where they really did challenge what I was Mm -hmm. making center, but they also, I think were really, my mom confessed to me years later that she felt like she was living through me vicariously. Mm. There was like a you know, everybody kind of has these dreams yeah. and a lot of us, our dreams die, yeah. you know, things that we really long to do. It depends on the type of person you are, if you're a super ambitious person, but my mom was an ambitious person and a lot of the things mm-hmm. she wanted to do didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so she's watching like this really sweet dream of mine mm-hmm. sort of be fulfilled. And, and it kind of led her, I think at times to not, um, to not speak as boldly mm-hmm. as I think she, she yeah. knew she needed to. And even at one point she, she convinced, she was trying to convince me like, don't, don't leave the band. Like, mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, but w- we, we pressed on, traveled some more, um, anywhere we, we could play, we played, we're totally sold out to the stream, right? I graduated high school. The band morphed into a new band. We, we changed our name. We added a new member. To, to, <laughs> this, this, better name. Yeah, a little better. Just slightly. I like it. All the day holiday. <laughs> so, nice. Um, and yeah. I have one, one non-spiritual question. Yeah, sure. If you were to compare all the day holiday to a pop culture band that you guys yeah. were like, what, 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 who, 
who who were you like? We liked Coldplay a lot. I okay. think the soaring guitars, the the kind of um, airy vocals, and the ambient rock sound. That was kind of a, a big a big inspiration. Another band. Um, uh, you, this might is not not as as com- not as common. Mute Math. Mm-hmm. They were just more oh, of yeah. a, more of a like alt rock. Uh, kind of more technical in band, super good live. Yeah. Anyway, I'd definitely yeah. recommend if you if you haven't checked them <laughs> out, they're they're fantastic. The best drummers in the world, right? Mute totally math. one of the best. Yeah, yeah. I Mute remember math. that. Yeah, that's it. That was yeah. a big deal for me in high school. Really? Was, yeah, and they were like believers. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when I graduated high school, this dream lived on. I was like, I'm doing this. So I moved out of my parents' house, began to write lots of music. But how did you support yourself? I, I worked construction jobs. Okay, I go. did. I was a server. Um, you know, I was not the best worker. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was kind of the same sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't buy tools for for construction because I thought, like, what's the use? I'm going to be a famous musician, right. <laughs> like, or or what's the use to to like keep this this serving job? If you know, I'm gonna, I don't know. So I'd quit jobs like way quicker than I should and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I supported myself through that and really just was obsessed and just trying to, trying to do this, but God keep kept pressing my heart. You know, he did. And, and right around the time that I moved out and was trying to do this thing, I felt like the Lord was again, like stirring my heart, reviving my heart, but I was still enslaved to sin. There were little, little moments of victory over pornography and things like that. But, but still, I think there was, there was a slavery to sin. And, and ultimately I think my view of Christianity was more about what I could do for God than what he had done for me. Mm. And so I was constantly, um, just, you know, it was always kind of a guilt relationship with God. Like I'm just never doing enough. And so the gospel hadn't really set me free. It wasn't the good news that set me free. It was, it was again, like what I could do for Jesus. Keep that in mind. We began recording music, and my lyrics were kind of cryptically spiritual. You know, um, I convinced myself I was doing that so that I can mm-hmm. gain a bigger following to share the gospel with more people. But I think that more at it at the center of that vagueness was I didn't want to turn people away from music. You know, I didn't want to lose fans, so I gave more attention to what the fans thought than what God thought. Mm-hmm. That's another. Another sign that <laughs> you have an idol in your life if you care more about what people think than what God thinks. If you fear men more than God. Um, we were growing in success. My walk with Jesus was there, but it was pretty weak. It was fading. Then I met a girl. <laughs> and um, and it went from bad to worse. You know, like I... I you know, some a lot of times if secret sins there, especially sexually, you get in a relationship, it plunges into the into sexual sin there. So that that was what happened. Mm-hmm. We we plunged into sexual sin. Um, neither of us were focused on Jesus. Um, she was confessing believer. She was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we we plunged deeper into sin, and um, and I'm guessing in that moment, when you're in the thick of it, <clears throat> if there was a Christian in your life who asked you about your relationship, you probably could wax eloquence of how God is important to you guys. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Now, my parents hardly knew. Mm. Like, we look back and we're like, how in the world did we get away with, mm. you know, it's just, where were my parents? Why weren't they mm. more, I don't know, 
active? Why didn't they challenge more? Um, we got engaged pretty quick. It was like six months into dating. We got engaged to be married. I don't know if most people know that, but um, she became another idol for me. But ultimately, um, ultimately, the idol of the band would would lead to the end of that relationship. The band was more important to me in, in some ways. Um, yeah, so the, the, my, my ability to lead the band spiritually... Cause the guy, the other guys were younger than I was. And, and around that time, like not only was my own soul hurting, but the, the guys in, in my band who were also professing, confessing Christ, professing believers, really, I, I think they started their, their faith started to take a dip too. Um, and, and the band just generally was moving away from God. Um, we get signed to a label, released an album, started touring the country, um, it was super fun, but, uh, yeah, there was a lot more partying kind of, we were playing bars and clubs. So we were, you know, we get a couple drink tickets every night and then we go hang out with people and drink some more. And, and, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was just kind of, I felt pretty kind of ashamed of that, you know, in the circles, the church circles I grew up, grew up in, we, we didn't drink, we didn't smoke. Um, that was a big no, no, mm-hmm. but I found myself doing it more and more and feeling more comfortable with it. And I think all of it was just tied around. My life was just kind of taking a slip. My, my fervor for Jesus taking a fall. Um, we were going big stages, little stages across the country. Even still, I didn't find myself happy. Mm. In it. There was never enough. You know, it was like, like I said earlier, there was just like, I had to have more. Our music wasn't as cool as the other band. We didn't have the same, you know, success as the other band or the right image. And again, it was like my emotions were totally wrapped up on what people thought. And I would find my, my heart just totally rising and falling based on others. And, um, this was, again, the Lord just was tapping like Daniel, that's that's the thing that's wrong here. <laughs> like you can't be satisfied in this. It just will not satisfy. This idol will not satisfy. But it, it went a little longer. I was drinking more, more fighting with my fiance, more sexual sin, depression. I just couldn't get, I couldn't get what I wanted. It was never enough. And so the more uh, I was growing more and more miserable, <laughs> more and more miserable, even as the band was taking, you know, leaps towards greater success and we were never like a huge deal but we were getting we were getting onto cool stages and stuff and uh but we, but I was feeling miserable and um I started to feel around that time that I was just I'm throwing away my life mm. like I I felt like even though I was doing everything I dreamed of doing there was this sense that this is not what God intended for me mm. which was bizarre right like my whole life was geared around this and I was feeling like man, I'm, I'm ruining it. I'm squandering the life that God has given me because of this, this obsession. And, and I didn't know how it all was working, but that's, that was the sense that I had. It was a really bizarre feeling. And, and I was low and God, but God is more scriptural. He shows up in a really profound way. Um, God was using all of this to draw me to himself, mm. right? He was, he was letting me get a little bit of success, I believe. Yeah. Because he was showing me as I, as I fought to taste the world, mm. 
that he was what was going to satisfy ultimately. Yes. He showed me around that time just how evil my heart was. I was having fits of anger and all these sorts of things. And and then my brother came on the on the road with us. He came back from the military. He was having sort of a spiritual revival himself. And he came on the road and he saw how I was living. He saw my lifestyle and he was so distraught. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, Daniel, this is not what it looks like to follow Jesus. And none of your guys, this is not what it looks like to wow. follow Jesus. And I knew he was right. And I, I came home from that tour. Right around this time, I, I broke off the engagement. It was a wreck of a relationship because of sin and all that sort of stuff. I was drinking more heavily than ever. Ben sees all this. He sees my sadness, my depression, and he calls me on that. So I come home knowing that all this is true. I'm wasting my life. And I just remember getting on my floor at my house, my parents' house. I had moved back into my parents because I was broke. (laughs) And, And I just said, God, I don't want this anymore. I repent. I'm tired of it. I surrender it to you. I felt so low. And I was on my face before God, pleading for mercy, feeling like I had ruined, wrecked my life, wrecked other people, hurt people. And I realized I deserved God's wrath. I just felt it like I needed it. And so I was pleading with the Lord, like the whole gospel thing started to make sense. Like I need the blood of Christ because I feel like God's hand should be crushing me right now. So I was, I was pleading with the Lord Jesus and I'll never forget the feeling that rushed over me when it, it felt like his mercy mm. was just his mercy and his love was all that I felt when it just flooded me in those moments. Like God was affirming, Daniel, you're forgiven. Mm. I'm casting that as far as the East is from the West. And it did something in me. Like, you know, if somebody is, is, in Christ because their life does not look the same like after God touches them, right? Mm. And I'm not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about there is a turn. There's a shift when someone is born again. And to this day, I don't know if I was born again then or if it was back when I was younger. But what I can say is that is that God marked me then. And there was something... You know, I had tasted the world and all of a sudden I realized nothing satisfies. Jesus is all that I'm meant to live for and his glory and his gospel. That that is to be the center and everything else will make sense. And that's what I was saying is, Lord, just whatever life looks like, he's got to be center here. Yeah. Later, God um, showed me a vision when I was praying uh, that that was pretty, pretty impactful to me. Um, he showed me a picture. It's like he took me through. I've shared this once before, I think, with the church. But it's like he took me through moments in my life where he was, he, I was walking towards sin. He was standing there every time, beckoning me, calling me, Daniel, this way. It's like wisdom and and the you know the folly, the, yeah. The folly. Yeah, yeah, like calling in the streets. And I, over and over, I chose folly. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, at the end of this, I felt lower and lower and bro- more more and more broken. And in this vision, the Lord. It, it seemed like he just spoke to me and said, I still wanted you, Daniel. Mm. This is what I had to hide for you. <laughs> wow. And, you know, in that moment, I mean, this this was, again, that, that feeling of the mercy, the love of God washed over me. And at that point, I was just, I, I couldn't get enough of Jesus. My obsession changed. Mm. My obsession changed. It went from an obsession with my 
glory with my glory in the band, my obsession with music to an obsession of Jesus, awesome. his word and his people. Mm. I didn't even like, there were, like before that I was like confused by the church. I didn't understand the church. I kind of didn't like the church. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't care what these people are like. They could be the weirdest. They could listen to the weirdest music, but I just want to be around people that love Jesus too. Mm. And, and I even wanted to share the faith. And so I started, I started to preach the gospel everywhere. Like the band, even, you know, Jesus took center of the band. And I started to preach. I felt like I have to stop hiding my faith and I have to start preaching it. And I, so I did. And that caused a lot of tension mm-hmm. in the band. You know, it caused a lot of tension, not just with the band, but with fans too. Yeah. Like where they said, like, I like this band until they started doing that. You know, mm-hmm. we were losing fans. I started writing songs about Jesus. Uh, you know, I, I began, uh, even though I was, some, I was scared and didn't know how it was all going to work. I just felt like I have to make him the center and, and it has to be less about my career and more about Jesus. What were your bandmates saying to you during this revolution? Well, this um, reformation in you one, first of all, I think they were a little shell shocked by what was happening. Um, cause it was like nine day, right? It was, it was I was radical. It was, yeah. and I had done, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty passionate guy and there's been, you know, other things in there in my life that they saw me passionate about. And I think there was kind of like a, this is just another yeah. thing that he's really passionate about and he's going to chill out a little bit, but I didn't chill out. And I, I began to really zealously say, guys, we, we, and you need to recenter your life around Jesus. And when I would make that call in practices, it was just dead silence. There was a, it was, their idol was being threatened. You know, Mm -hmm. there was a hotel room, uh, after a big festival we played and they sat me down, all of them together. I didn't know anything about this conversation. And they said, Danny, you got to stop. You Mm -hmm. cannot share Mm -hmm. in that way from stage. Um, there was anger. There was a show where, uh, uh, one guy threw his guitar down at the end of the show and there was just a real, a real anger in front of, in front of people. Yeah. When you started sharing. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I tell these stories not to dishonor these, these guys. Um, I love these guys, you know, all of them, unfortunately, um, they would, they would tell you now they're not, they don't believe that Jesus is the way and the life. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't follow Jesus, but I can say that, um, you know, I love those guys. I'm grateful for the ways that, that we got to serve together, you know, do life together for a while. They were dear friends to me. And, um, you know, I have a, I have a relationship with at least one of the guys, the others, there's, there's less, but it was a, yeah, it was a really challenging time. And that, that lasted for about a year where it was, there was like kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a fork in the road where, mm-hmm. where it seemed like if I tried to go after the band, it seemed like my relationship with the Lord was, mm-hmm. was hurting. And if I went the other direction, it right. seemed like the band, the band direction, uh, failed. So it really, it, it honestly killed my dream. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it killed my dream and it killed their dream. Um, my following Jesus. Yeah. But I would read these words from Jesus, uh, like Matthew sixteen twenty four. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and Mm -hmm. take up his cross and follow me. For 
Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I had these words ringing in my ears as I was making these decisions. Like, what's more important to me? Do I want to save my life or do I want to lose my life? I I believed these words so much so that I just kept trying to pursue Jesus, kept trying to help my guys see everything has to be around him. Everything, our band, we have to just, we don't have to quit the band. We just have to figure out how to make it about him. Like that was, that was the hope. That was the focus. And it just wasn't working. So about a year later, the band broke up. It was after, you know, it just became clear to me that I couldn't be the front man and lead and, and, you know, sing, preach, and write the songs I wanted to write. Uh, you know, it just, it just, we weren't linked up. We weren't yoked up appropriately. That was your call to end it? Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of a mutual thing, but they would probably say that it was, it was me. I mean, it was my, I was the. I was the factor, right? Hmm. So it was it was my fault, right? But but they all they also felt like, yeah, if if this is the path you're on, then we can't continue. As Did a they band. try to continue without you? No. Okay. You know, it didn't. They were still friends. They, uh, I think they they gave it some thought, but I think they knew it was over. I had a conversation. This is just an interesting thing I'll throw in. I had a conversation with our label manager, and uh, I told him the reasons why I was doing what I was doing. And he said to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, Daniel, I'm not going to try to stop you. In fact, I wish that I could find God like that. Hmm. I wish that I could find God like that and know him like that. And I said, I was like, John, you can. Hmm. You totally can. I was like, there's no, there's nothing stopping you. And he said, I'm in too deep. Hmm. I'm in too deep. Wow. And I, we had a little bit longer of a conversation, but it ended in him. I was amazed that this man who was well known in the industry was saying those words, mm-hmm. you know, it reminded me that there's, there's a, there's an ache in people to have great success yeah. because they realize that what they have is just never good enough. It doesn't satisfy. Sure. Um, I'll just close with this, uh, you know, moving, moving beyond that, uh, year, I did not know what I was going to do. I was like, man, this was everything I dreamed of. Right. So I'm 23 or so band ends right as we're like, I mean, we still were on our, we still were rising, you know, um, playing with all our favorite bands, you know, we could have done it. We could have, um, not to over, emphasize mm-hmm. it, how good we were, our success. But, um, I remember, I remember again, another scripture that impacted me so profoundly. And that was Jesus's words. It said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers mm-hmm. or sisters or mother <clears throat> or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. That's right houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Mm-hmm. And I just want to testify to you brothers, to everyone listening, that that has been so true. Mm. God has proven that to me again and again and again. He's proven to me that there's nothing more satisfying than knowing him and being yeah. loved by him to have him affirm that I am forgiven that I'm his son, that I have a purpose, a future. 
and I still I get to do the things that I loved. I I preach. I <laughs> I make music. I record music. Not as often as I like. Not with yeah. maybe the the same caliber of musicians. <laughs> hey, easy there. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you you get into the church and you figure it out, you know. But I get to do the things I love to do, and I have the most beautiful wife Kate to walk with and to you know so much of the things that the the idols that I thought were everything they just look so itty bitty now Amen. now that Amen. that I have given Jesus everything that I've centered my life around Jesus he has given back to me the things that I dreamed of and desired but so much better you know mm-hmm. and that's that's what Jesus does. When we follow him and make him central in life, God meets us with joy, even in our sufferings. And he proves that to me again and again. So I just wanted to ask, like, um, yeah, just finally, what's, what's your dream? What would you be most devastated to see taken away from you? And, you know, is, is Jesus the center of that, of that dream, that ambition? Amen. So that's, that's the story. I want to call you to just simply... Simply find that satisfaction. I pray that God gives you that grace if you're not already there mm. to find that there's nothing better than knowing yes. Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Amen. We, we got a couple of reflections as we, we listen to your story. Um, Ross, you want to start off? Yeah, yeah. And brother, I really appreciate you sharing that with mm. us, man. Such a yeah. powerful work of God on your life. Mm. And, um, Amen. Yeah, you lost one life and got eternal life. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yeah. So that's so, so good. I, I, I appreciate what you said about, um, emotions mm-hmm. and, um, man, I think, um, I think there's such a big tell. Yes. About what our hearts are actually treasuring. Mm-hmm. Don't think you can say this isn't an idol if you freak out about it. Yeah. When you start to lose it. That's right. Um, mm. yeah. What you, what you think is an idol is, way less important than what your heart screams is an idol. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, pay, pay attention to those, to those yeah. emotions. Yeah. That's a yeah. good word. Yeah. As a couple of reflections, I was just thinking how, <clears throat> what if Ben never talked with you? Mm. You know, your brother, yeah. Ben challenging you, calling you out in that mm-hmm. lovingly. Mm-hmm. And just, that's just a great reminder for all of us that we can save someone from death, you know, mm-hmm. by just speaking the truth in love. Yeah. Um, and and I, I would assume that Ben probably saw some of those signs earlier mm. before. Yeah. And it was the right time and season that yeah. synced up what God was already working in your heart, stirring discontentment and conviction with his word and just yeah. know church that God may be so pleased to use you to save a person from death, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, That's right. Also just rejoicing at, at God's mercy that he could have let you go to the to the full end. And got to the point where that John, your your manager, said, I'm too deep. Mm-hmm. Like you got deep enough to taste that it was ash and it wasn't satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the Lord was merciful and spared you from going f- so far that your heart became too hard yeah. beyond redemption, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I'm just thinking about how I bet if I met you throughout that time, if I was just in your life, you probably could have spiritualized it, you know? Absolutely. You know? And that's such a check for all of us, right? Like Mm -hmm. all of us probably are idols. If they're an idol, we cherish them and Mm -hmm. you fight for those things that you cherish. Yes. 
and and then you can be very manipulative and very very good with your words and and mm-hmm. and frame it in a way you're trying to do it for the Lord and it's all for mm-hmm. His glory. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just such a good check for all of us that that Daniel probably could have convinced most of us if he just sat down with us that he was doing it for Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. we walked with him day and day and night, day, and that's why it's so important for us to do life on life, right? Yeah. Because any of us can sit down over coffee, paint this perfect narrative and picture, and frame it in a way where it's very persuasive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the proof is in, in the pudding, the, in the lifestyle. Yeah. And that was a little harder. Um, I want to follow up with a question. How yeah. has your view of God changed regarding kind of the shame, you're never doing enough? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think... It was the Lord's grace to let me fail as much as I did because that was when I realized that um, it wasn't just a little bit of sin, a little sin a little that I had to just like overcome on my own mm-hmm. and Jesus had to forgive once or twice or five times or ten times. No, it was like my whole being yeah. wanted wanted sin, wanted – I was so – I just aimed at mm-hmm. these sort of things. It was natural to me. And I deserved wrath for it. Like I deserved God's nothing good from him Mm -hmm. before I felt like, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm pretty good. And I really probably should be rewarded with heaven and and eternal life. But, but understanding my sin is what led me to an understanding of Jesus death on the cross and how that is my righteousness alone. And that's why at all people's, we we really want to do a good job. I think we do a pretty good job of preaching sin. That that sin. I mean, we have to hear the bad news before we hear the good news and really accept it. Um, so I think that's that's kind of what what it boiled down to. I think that um, I think that was some of the error that my parents hmm. uh, experienced too. Growing up, there was a lot of outward image mm-hmm. sort of focus mm-hmm. rather than the deep, you know, just confession of what's going on in your heart Mm -hmm. and an honesty about your sinfulness and your need for Jesus. And so we don't want to pretend. That's why we try to confess in DNA is we try to get, you know, when we're with people that, you know, that know us, we want to share the things that you can share these things with your friends, with your family and say, these are stumbling blocks. These are idols that I'm tempted towards. And it may be that God doesn't rip it out of your your hands, but actually helps you to keep doing what you're doing, but but to recenter it, you know. So that could have happened for me, even with the band, but that was not what the Lord saw fit to do. So do you feel like you're still not doing enough for the Lord? Um, I think that still that is a that is something I have to fight. Mm. I think some of these things we that are ingrained in us from childhood. Yeah. you know, they become things that they require many, many years of gospel preaching from others and from myself. Mm-hmm. I have to preach the gospel to myself consistently. So I think that's still a fight, but I've, I do feel like there's victory there, just as I have victory over pornography. And, mm. and you know, I do feel like there's there's victory there. Amen. But, yeah. Another reflection that came to mind is so often we have an idol that God tries to highlight and for us, we need to cut it off. Yeah. And just kill it. Yeah. But what often what we can do is try to redeem it. And you may need to redeem it like music. Mm-hmm. And that's a good gift from God. Yeah. But the pattern for most people is that you have to cut it off for a season. Yeah. And then if God wants it back in your life, he'll bring it back in your life. Right. So mm-hmm. you have to cut off a relationship. Mm-hmm. And in due season, God gave you Kate. Mm-hmm. 
a much better situation, you know, yes. right? It's a good <laughs> gift, and he gave yes. you a better gift really in the right good. way, and then he, you had a good gift in music and a band, and he cut it off, and now you can do it unto him more pure. But I think often a way that the, the enemy can can um, can kind of fool us into saying that we're doing the right thing is is that we keep it along, yes. keep it alive, and we just try to put some Christian on it and put some names and spin it but it's really our heart just trying to keep it alive yes you know it's like the man cheating on his wife wife catches him and he's like okay well i'm going to keep her number because i want to like share the gospel with her and how god has changed my life yep yep you know (laughs) not a good idea (laughs) yeah right right? yeah right and maybe god will have you do that in the future well right now you delete the number yeah you you delete it and you flee you cut this you cut the hand off those were definitely lies that i that i believed during this this whole time and I, I thought that that was what I needed to do at, at points, even with the, the fiancé. But, but what I'll tell you is um, you don't have to be sovereign over the unfolding of their journey with God. Like, right. You know, my bandmates, I'm not sovereign over what, what their journey with God looks like. I've still, I still have opportunities to witness to them sometimes, uh, you know. And even with that fiance, she had a couple years after her breakup that she just totally abandoned God. And I had an opportunity to say, please mm. find satisfaction in Jesus. Mm. And about a year later, she came back to me and said, thank you, you're mm. right. And she is following Jesus with her whole heart, That's as awesome. far as I understand. Praise and so you get sometimes you get to see those sorts of amazing yeah. things. As you lay people down and things down that are idols, trust the Lord mm. that you don't have to you know, you have to take care of your following Jesus. You follow Jesus do. And, and sometimes the best thing, even for those people, you know, that you might be feeling like you're letting down is to show them Jesus is everything by walking away. You know, Mm, that's good. One more quick thought for me. Um, as you were sharing your story about how you had to sacrifice in order to gain, how you had to die in order to live. Um, brought to mind C.S. Lewis's quote from Mere Christianity. This is the last sentence of the book. Um, Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. Hmm. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. Amen. Thanks, brothers. Great thing to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, may God give us all grace. Yeah. And share this. Share. If this, this is a test of, this, this testifies of God's goodness and his glory. And if you know someone who you think that could resonate, share this with them and and give God glory in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen.